Big Wild John Cannon, I welcome you to Let's Talk Native. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage in some cases to start conversations. We're shooting for a different kind of enlightenment here. We kind of break the rules for Native Radio. We don't do prayers, we don't do Buffalo speeches, and we don't do spirituality shows. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. And uh, we talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity, and we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us, and we do it all right here from the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation out of our LTN studios. So let's talk native. First, let me introduce myself again. I'm John Kane, and I'm joined here in studio by Jake Proud, who is managing our audio and our, uh, our video. Um, look, I want to talk about something I've talked about in the past. I've talked about survival training, survival skills, and, and the necessity for it. And that's what I want to talk about today. And, and it takes on a new meaning, not just because of COVID-19, but the closer and closer um, circumstances get to the collapse of things like you know, you know, social unrest, economic chaos, political unrest, all of this stuff, global conflicts, not to mention environmental concerns and, of course, pandemics. So we'll, uh, that's, that's what I want to talk about today. But before I do that, I want to um, mention again that we do short-form videos and we released a, a new short-form video uh, this past week. And I want to recommend people to uh, check it out. Uh, our latest uh, presentation is the five policies. And if you don't know what the five policies is, you should probably listen to this video. And it's, and, and it's a starter. I mean, it is an intro to, um, to what is the real history of the United States as it relates to policies that they utilize in its relationship with Native people. All, and policies that all you know, still constitute genocide. This is our latest video, so please do uh, check it out and um, you know, share it. Uh, comment and uh, and hey, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let's talk Native TV. All right, all right. Let me get uh, let me get into it. We we are seeing um, we're seeing every day that there's more and more of a need for us to not just prepare for the the worst, but just to be more sustainable. And 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 as much as I think this is an urgency, it doesn't necessarily even have to be fully treated like that. I mean, look, there have been kids being sent to summer camp and Boy Scout and Girl Scouts and all of these, you know, little organizations that that. In fact, they oftentimes use native uh, native life uh, as as part of their foundation. Certainly, the Boy Scouts did, um, and all these summer camps do as well. But we don't do that. We don't train our own children. Look, we not only don't do rites of passage and stuff like that anymore, as we once did as a part of our culture, but we're not training our kids. And it's not even just us. I mean, I, you would think in, in a country that has so much of its land attributed to farming and that kind of stuff, that farmers would be um, closer to having these survival skills. But now even that's become so... Um, technologically advanced and there's so there, there's there's so much other infrastructure and and they're dependent on the infrastructure for their you know to, to, to turn a profit that even farmers have lost their 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 connection to living off the land in the truest sense of the word so i want to talk about some of the things and and these are things that look many of us still do many of us still hunt and fish but I think to a, a large extent, many of us don't do game management. We don't, uh, we, we don't really, uh, look, I know we have fish hatcheries and that kind of stuff. So there's a certain amount of that as it comes to, you know, to fish population. But, but processing, I, you know, what, what about, you know, being able to process a deer, cut it up and, uh, and, and store the meat, uh, uh, whether you freeze it or, you know, or, or, or pickle it or can it, whatever you want to do. But, we don't do any of that stuff. We don't dry it. I mean, we, we, we shoot a deer and then we drop it off at some, some place to have, oftentimes a white guy do it for us. You know, somebody, some skilled butcher. Because we don't have them. And I'm not saying they don't exist. We, there are native people who know how to do it. But not enough of us know how to do it. And we don't have enough of a relationship within our communities to, uh, to have that be essentially a, a sustainable business. 
But we should know how to feed ourselves. We should know how to hunt game. We should know what game is um, is good for eating. Uh, which one? Which ones? Eh, not so much. We should know areas that uh, that we're hunting is is better because perhaps um, you know the grazing is less uh, contaminated by chemicals and that kind of stuff. We should know all of this stuff. Even even the fishing. We should know. Uh, and, and we should keep tabs on the conditions of our river. We know when there's been a sewage release in the Cattaraugus Creek. Know when uh, when one of these radioactive plumes has, uh, is is showing uh, presenting itself in our rivers. We should know where the best places to fish are. And 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 again, we should we should uh, look. I used to go up to up to Oneida in, in Ontario. They have the Thames River that goes through there. Thames, 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 whatever you want to call it. Um, and they have walleye runs. And I used to go up there in the summer times, and they'd put these huge roll nets out in the, into the uh, into the river, roll them up, and they'd be filled with walleye. And they'd and they'd take them out, and they they'd gut them, and they'd clean them, and they'd and they and they, they would literally freeze their whole year's supply of, of fish during a, a walleye run. I don't. I assume that still happens up there, but it's not really happening here. So. These are the kind of things we should know more about. We should, I know there's been a push towards gardening. You know, I know the, the Seneca Nation at least finally has an ag department now. Um, but there should be more of an emphasis. Many of us grew up with our parents having gardens, but many of us don't. And, and like I said, even though many of us st- still maintain a certain level of, of, um, of, of knowledge on this stuff, are we passing it on to our kids? Are we passing it on to our grandkids? See, this is why, and no, this doesn't even sound like survival training. This sounds like, you know, grandpa taking, you know, grandson and granddaughter out to fish. But that's still survival training. So, again, I don't, it doesn't have to necessarily sound like boot camp, you know, or, <clears throat> you know, what's that show on television? Naked and Alone where you drop somebody out. No, we don't have to do anything that drastic. Nothing, nothing like that. We We just need to... Oftentimes, dust off that knowledge, removing the dust, as I say. We need to remove the dust off of what we leave, let settle on us because it's still easier to buy hamburgers at Walmart. So, gardening, recognizing what's edible out there. I mean, there there are a lot of um, foods that we can. You know, I don't know how many people know you can eat. You can, you can eat cattails. You can eat, you know, fiddleheads, which are just the ferns before they un- unroll. There, there, there are things that are seasonal. Obviously, berries and fruit and all kinds of other stuff like that. But there, there are a lot of things. Wild onions, people are familiar with. But there are a lot of things that we can eat. But how many of us are teaching our kids this stuff? And how many of us are incorporating it in our diet on a on a regular enough basis that? It becomes part of our staple, you know, and and I think that's again, it doesn't sound like it, but this is survival training. And look, we should know how to cook. We should know how to prepare meals that are healthy based on some of the stuff that we can gather. I don't care if you, if, you, if once a week, frankly, once a month, you did a dinner for your family that was based totally on stuff that you you produced yourself, you gathered yourself, you hunted hunted yourself, whatever. That would be a step in the right direction. I mean, I'll get into it a little bit later in the show why this stuff is all necessary if you don't, if, you, if it's not obvious. But these are some of the things that we need to learn. How to, how to store our food, how to dry it, how to can it, how to freeze it. I mean, uh, what, what's the best condition? Should we, you know, should you, you know, uh, uh, tomatoes, should you make it into a sauce immediately or should you, you know, just, you know, freeze it and dice it or stew it? I don't know, whatever. Let's learn all of those things. Let's, if we don't know already, uh, how to make preserves and jams and that kind of stuff. And like I said, you can do the same thing with meat. That's, you know, that's how the Amish um, store their meat. They don't, yeah, they've got ice boxes, but they, they literally can their, their meat products. So, so we can do the same. These are some of the things, again, dried, dried meats, you know, whether it's jerky or, or whatever. There, there are a number of things. Dried foods, you can, you can dry them and store them and you can reconstitute them with water later on. These are all things that we should, if we don't know how to do them, we should learn it. And then once we learn it, we should make sure that our kids know how to do this stuff. And look, we can make it fun. We can make it entertainment. It can be a survival camp and, and it could be something that's, that's more enjoyable. Look, the other thing is medicines. There are a lot of natural medicines, and I'm not just talking about, you know, 
um, just basic, you know, uh, what people put in the category is holistic medicine. But though, a lot of medicines that we use today come from, uh, you know, even aspirin. Aspirin, uh, you know, comes from uh, willow bark. But I don't know how, I wouldn't know how to prepare willow bark if I ever needed uh, some sort of pain reliever or, or fever reducer. But there, there are a lot of things in nature that, that present itself as either um, specific medicines or, you know, various types of healing remedies. So these are things that, that we should dust off and be familiar with. Not just the stuff that is, that's healthy for us, but even the stuff that, that can help preserve health. So medicines is another one. Look, there's some basic skill sets associated with with maintenance. You know, whether it's you know, I know people automatically can think about their car, but about your home. How do you maintain your home? How do you make sure? Because time takes its you know takes its toll on everything. Everything that we do, time takes its toll on. So, uh, so if you don't know how to do basic home maintenance, whether it's plumbing or uh, or you know fixing a, a leaking roof. You know, see, you know, how do you, how do you paint a house? I, I don't know. And of course, um, beyond the, the the home maintenance, what about you know the the skill set involved in in building a, a a shelter, whether it's a temporary shelter or something more permanent? You know, uh, you know, I'm I'm still got, got a tiny home project that's that's languishing at home. But tiny homes, I mean, how do you build lean tos? I mean, how do you do basic things to survive outdoors? How do you sleep outdoors? Look, there, there's no reason that we couldn't enjoy uh, many of the evenings outdoors even more. How how do you live outdoors? I mean, I, there are there are homes that are designed. When I used to go to the solar decathlon and and, and monitor what was happening there, and this was this ten point test that they had for colleges and even you know nations would would put in a home into a competition um, graded on ten ten categories. That's why I said decathlon. Um, to build a, a home that is sustainable and enjoyable and that kind of stuff. One of the things that every one of these things did, because they were limited, they could only go a thousand square feet. So it had to be a fairly small home, not a tiny home, but a small home. But they, they utilized how to, how to have outdoor living. So if you know how to survive outdoors, if you know how to cook over an open flame, not just your gas barbecue grill, but if you know how to cook, if you know how to prepare food outdoors, that's a survival skill. That's something that that that's valuable in, in in knowing how to to live. Energy, sustainable energy. Look, I know that sounds high tech. Firewood is a sustainable energy source. Um, anything you know, corn can be used as a fuel. Biomass can be used as a fuel, and and that's just burning it. So you can do that. So that's a fuel, and that's a sustainable energy. But there's also solar. There's solar thermal. There's solar electric. There's there's hydro there's there's hydro to get mechanical in the old days all of those windmills they turned an axle and that and and uh, so even wind power would be mechanical hydro they had water wheels that they they, they put on uh, on dams that would drive sawmills so that's mechanical that's taking hydropower or wind power and turning it into 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 mechanical power. Uh, um, like I said, windmills. Oftentimes, they were, they simply ran a pump to pump water. That's what farmers use the windmills for. But you can also use wind and obviously hydro for um, for electric generation. So we should know more about that stuff. And I'm not talking about solar farms, and I'm not talking about wind farms, and I'm not talking about damming you know uh, you know damming up a river. I'm talking about the smaller stuff, the residential stuff, the stuff that we can do that doesn't require big infrastructure. Maybe we create some of our own uh, localized infrastructure. They call them microgrids. But, but if, it, if we looked at sustainable energy, so we would still have lights. We would still have power for whatever we need power for. But this, these are things, these are skill sets that are, that are worth knowing. Um. Energy storage. I mean, uh, there are ways to store energy. There's there's kinetic energy storage, which is uh, um, where you use something in motion, like a flywheel or something like that. And look, that that's how our grain mills used to work. We would actually, you know, get a big stone wheel moving, and and it would it would stay moving. We'd, we'd still have to add power from uh, from animal power or whatever else. But that's kinetic energy, uh, and you can store energy kinetically. There's potential energy. 
water behind a dam that's potential energy uh, you know you know the simple weight on a clock on a cuckoo clock or you know the, these large clocks where where a chain pulls away that is potential energy you're using the fact that you've got weight suspended and and gravity working against it that's potential energy and of course another form of potential energy is chemical energy what people know what batteries are and that kind of stuff so there's there's all of these things and they should be incorporated in uh in our education uh, and, not, and not just you know uh, a summer survival camp, but but these are all the kinds of things that we should know more about and know about them practically, how it affects us and how it could affect us. These are all things that are uh, that are so important. Look, we need to we need to be prepared to live without the existing infrastructure that we've all become so dependent on. And and we should live without that, even if we only do it on a you know o- o- over a weekend. If we camp out, I mean, if we uh, we spend a summer at, you know at a lake or a river or whatever else. These are the things that if we did these things, we we would be more prepared if things don't go well in the in in the somewhat near future. Um, community. And when I say community, I don't mean Cattaraugus. I don't mean Allegheny. I don't mean, you know, Rosebud. I mean the people you can see, the whose houses are in your line of sight, your next door neighbors, your, your, your relatives who live next to you. That is the real sense of community. These are the people that you're living with in a, in a community, your, your, your closest neighbors. If we don't have the kind of that sense of community and, uh, and dependency on each other, so we're, so we're all somewhat codependent, I know, look, on one hand, I'm saying don't be dependent on, on major infrastructure. But one of the ways around that is to, is to shift your dependency towards the people that you can rely on, the ones that you trust. And that should be family. That should be your neighbors. That should be the people that you live close to. Set up, establish that kind of relationship where you watch your kids grow up together and you watch, uh, you, you know when somebody's in need. It's not, sometimes it's not even a question of somebody need, needing to ask. That's community. And of course, out of that, you improve our quality of life. But these are the kinds of... I'm, I know this sounds really, really basic, right? And, and it is... Some of these things are basic necessities. I mean, how many people can start a fire without you know, a lighter? Uh, you know, and these can be fun projects. Look, we always want to do science uh, you know, uh, projects with our kids. What could be, what could be better than grabbing a group a group of kids and you know showing them how how they can live even if it's just a couple of days at a time without everything that they've grown accustomed to and and I think this is so important it is it is so important to this. look I left one thing out and and I gotta give uh, props to to Jake for bringing this up there's also defense and I mean look self defense how do we teach our kids including our 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 girls by the way be, i mean the reason we have missing and murdered indigenous women is is about the vulnerability of some of our younger people and and the people who are most at risk to to violence so how do you teach defense and defense isn't just physical defense it's mental defense it's knowing how to respond to um uh to a violent situation even if it's after the fact, how to, how to report, how do, who do you report to? And I'm not talking about the cops. I'm talking about how do we as a community address this? So when I talk about defense, I'm talking about self-defense. I'm talking about defending our children. I'm talking about defending our community, our nation, our land. How do we, what, are, what is nonviolent direct action? And how do we have trainings for that stuff? How do we train our people to stand up whether it's fighting a a drug epidemic, whether it's fighting a pipeline going through your territory, whether it's fighting racism, whether it's fighting domestic violence, how do we teach our people uh, the skill sets to affect change? And I'm not talking about going to the voting booth. No, I'm I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how do we train our people and teach our people some of the skills they need to 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 affect change. I mean, part of the reason I do this show is to is to get a conversation out there. But how do we teach our kids to, to you know while we still have the infrastructure? How do we teach our kids to use our computers, use the internet, use social media? 
to effectively affect change. Not just, you know, bitch online. I mean, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of Facebook warriors. <laughs> and I hate to you know, diminish the word warrior by, by putting those two words together. But there's a lot of people who, who talk tough and you draw all kinds of lines in the sand and say what they would do if they... I do it too. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm not Seneca and I live on Seneca territory. So oftentimes I have to kind of know my place within the community. There's a lot of things. If I were Seneca, man, I'd raise all kinds of hell over some of the things. Like, like the white guy selling um, right-wing paraphernalia down uh, by, the, by the circle at 5 and 20. Now, I, if I was Seneca, I'd make all kinds of noise about that. Now, I'll participate in the conversation, but I can't lead that conversation. And, you know, there's a business that might be renting out space for that. But, so, but, there, but there's a role that we all play. And, and I, I make plenty of noise. You know, on a territory that I'm that I'm not a quote unquote unrolled member on, and I try to make sure that I do what I do responsibly. But how do we teach our 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 kids and our adults to use social media effectively, to use media effectively, to use public speaking effectively? Look, everybody should have, everybody has a voice. Everybody has a voice. So how do you train our people to utilize that voice? Anytime somebody says, well, somebody had their voice taken away, unless somebody literally cut out your voice box, you haven't had your voice taken away. You can always make noise. So how do we, how do we make noise effectively? And, and look, everything starts with a little bit of noise. I mean, everything, there, there's no action that doesn't begin with conversation. So what I try to do is at least begin the conversation. Look, am I telling everybody you need to immediately drop what you're doing and establish a survival camp? Yeah, I might be saying that. But, but what I'm saying is let's begin to wrap around. Look, we aren't at that place right now where the bottom of everything is dropping out. So we have a luxury. We can treat survival training, as a, again, as a, as a form of entertainment, as a luxury, as something that we make fun with our, you know, uh, for our kids and, and our families. And we all have a, have a role to play. Look, not everybody can even drive a, a, a nail in a board with a hammer. I mean, we've, we've got nail guns. <laughs> we, we have something that does everything for us. And that may not always be the case. And again, like I said, after we go to break, I'm, I want to talk about why this is important and why this is important now. Not because we're, we're about to fall off the cliff, but the cliff is there and we see it and we're, and we're heading towards it. But we have resources now. We have, we have technology that may not always be with us, but there's, it's technology we can use now to prepare, to prepare us for when we may not have it. So there's a lot that we can do. And there's a lot that we can do much more conveniently now that we aren't in a struggle for life. We aren't at that point of needing these survival skills. Now we can learn these survival skills as a luxury. And we can make the best out of this, this kind of training. And, and again, there's no reason that this can't be approached as something that we do as a holistic education for our kids. And we're all going to learn from it too. So I, I, you know, I can't emphasize enough. And, and again, I know I've done a show on this before and, and, and I've talked about this in the last couple of weeks that I need to bring this up again. Look, there's always plenty of material for me to talk about on, on this program. There's stuff happening in the news every single day. I try to make sure that this program, Let's Talk Native, is, um, is geared towards our lives, our needs, and, and what, what we have um, to work towards. And look, are we all going to be um, the same politically? Are we all going to you know, agree with every, be in complete unity on all things? No. But on certain things, we can categorically agree upon. And there is no reason not to have survival skills. And, and in fact, survival skills can come in handy in any number of ways. But th one of the things they also do is they tap into something that conventional education destroys. And that's the creative mind. One of the things that, uh, that going to public school or university, it's about conformity. It's about learning what is being taught, not learning to learn. 
this the one of, uh, among the things with associated with, with survival skills is problem solving and i don't mean word problems in math class which you know uh, what, what you know uh, 55 miles an hour, a train is traveling east, and, uh, you know, no, none of that stuff. We don't have, I'm not talking about this stuff that's impractical knowledge. I mean the, the problem solving. How are you going to solve your hunger? How are you going to survive? Look, I've said it before. We need to be warm, dry, and fed. Those are the basic needs. And if you're warm, dry, and fed, then the other things can happen. More comfort, more joy, more um, happiness in your life. But if you don't, if you're not dry, if you're not warm, and you're not comfortable, you're not fed. It is hard to maintain anything else because those, all three of those things, can, will affect your your health and your life, your longevity. So I can't, you know, I don't know how to um, uh, um, put more importance to this. And and the problem is, if we wait until we absolutely have to rely on these survival skills. That might be too late. It'll be too late for some. It may not be too late for everybody, but it will be too late for some. Because there will be, you know, a frantic pace. And, and you know, if you have everybody fighting to survive at the same time uh, without any kind of proper training, you deplete resources, you'll overkill the game, you'll, you'll overpick the medicines and, and the food, you, you'll... You'll devour all of your food uh, out of desperation. No, this is all part of what has to go into into this kind of survival training. All right, hey, we're at the bottom of the hour, so we'll take a break when we come back. When we come back, I want to talk about why I think this is important. If you don't know already, some of this is going to be obvious, but uh, this is part of the reason for being more prepared for, uh, for an uncertain future. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. We'll be right back. All right, thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is the Let's Talk Native. Hey, I want to give a shout out to my sponsors. I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses, Eric White and ERW Enterprises. I want to thank uh, the folks at Grand River Enterprises and those of you guys like Ed and Harry and some of these other guys who step up to help us, especially when when I do a call out and I say, look, I, we, we've got an equipment purchase we're trying to do. And, and there's a few people that step up, Cindy, uh, 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 Tony, uh, 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 Steve and VJ, I mean, you guys know who you are. If you're listening, uh, I, I I appreciate it. Hey, we're we're starting the month is August. I just want to mention also that uh, this is my my wife's birthday month. So wish an early birthday to uh, happy birthday to my wife Brenda, who um, shares the show and uh, you know, probably somewhat responsible for for some of the the. the, the the number of views that we have while we're streaming this thing live on Facebook. And of course, uh, you can not only watch us on Facebook streaming live or after the fact, but you can also catch us on podcasts and you can catch us on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. As I mentioned earlier, we do have a new video out. I'm hoping you guys will check it out and you will watch it and you will comment, you will learn, you will do your own research afterwards. And of course, I'm hoping that you'll share it. So um, uh, I want to give that out there. Look, the other thing I want to mention... um, Let's Talk Native is now being broadcast in Washington, D.C. on WPFW uh, FM 89.3 in Washington, D.C. Um, it's uh, being broadcast on Fridays at 2 p.m. So if you know people in the Washington area, let them know that if, you know, if they're not you know, into the podcast thing, which I know more people are listening to podcasts and you and watching YouTube videos than uh, that radio is in its decline, but it's still there. And it might not, it may be a necessary means of communication and it might be one of the survival skills that, uh, <laughs> that is retained. So, uh, WPFW, uh, they are broadcasting, um, our Tuesday, let's talk native, uh, program. And, uh, so you can, you can catch us, uh, catch us in Washington, DC on the radio. You know, you want to tell your, uh, people who are out there who are into the whole American politics thing, tell your political leaders to check out a show. Sometimes I, I take specific shots at them. So uh, it might be a good listen for them. Um, all right. So I talked about these survival skills. One of the, I did leave off another one. 
uh, and uh, how to how to counsel how how do you get together to make decisions and this is this is an important one it's a big one i can't believe i left it off my list originally look when we talk about guyana ragoa guyana ragoa is not a it's not a religion it's not a a law or a constitution it is a I mean, it literally translates to a great good path or a good way. It, it, it means that it is, it is a great way to solve problems. So as we go through life and we, and we reach hurdles or obstacles or conflicts or just have to make a decision, how do you, how do you counsel? And that's some, something else that, else that could be incorporated in, in a survival training. So it isn't just that, that might makes right. And it and it isn't just the loudest voice that makes uh, you know that that wins the discussion or the debate. It you have to have a process, and you know Guyana Goa does lay out a process where where a longhouse is seated using the three sides, you know, um, an end and two walls of a longhouse to uh, for a debate to ensue and how the three sides come to consensus. So learning how to counsel is uh, is also a survival skill. So I. I think it's it's worth throwing that into the mix. All right. So why am I saying this again, and why am I bringing this up up you know today? Well, I would hope that some of the folks who are watching this global pandemic play out at least get a sense for the vulnerabilities of much of the infrastructure that's out there, <clears throat> much of what countries have built up I mean, you know however you view the united states <clears throat> whether you are one of the ones who thinks it's the greatest nation on the earth well not so much as in terms of how they handle the pandemic the united states has failed miserably and not just the united states as a country but the individual states communities have failed miserably and and for a variety of reasons you know some some of these some of these things are beyond our control but much of it is within our control but we don't we don't deal with these things very well. I, you know, I've talked in the past about what I thought were the, the recipes for disaster, climate change, global conflict, um, a political corruption, and political you know, meltdowns, um, just like the ones we're seeing in the United States, right? Um, uh, social uh, degradation, racism, and all that stuff associated with that. And of course, all of this stuff, including the pandemic that I left off the list, contributes to in a, in a very serious way the very real likelihood of an economic collapse look in 2008 there was a major um recession that was caused because of you know banks becoming huge and just pillaging the public out of out of money through you know risky loans and mortgages and that kind of stuff but it was it was deeper than that and today economies are more vulnerable than they were in 2008 and of course you still got big banks you still got people who want to measure the strength of an economy on wall street like any of us you know if, if you're listening to the show and you have slack and 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 wall street is is your 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 nest egg then you're a rare person listening to this show, this show let me tell you but um if you are and you know, i guess I don't want to say more power to you because you probably already have an awful lot of that. But anyway, um, I'm I'm really concerned. I I think it's it is not just um, end of days talk. I don't think this is you know just uh, the doomsday conspiracy that I'm spinning here. I think there is real potential for some uh, for a real breakdown in much of what we've all grown accustomed to. And in fact, some of it's already happening. This generation living in America is living a much uh, lower quality of life, in spite of all the technology, than, than the generation before us. I mean, look, I've said this before. It was possible for my father to work and support a family of, of five, six, six of us, seven of us a family of seven while working basically 40 hours a week that's impossible right now i mean that can't be done um it was possible to buy a home watch a home grow in value and then and and let that home be an investment that that's not even the case most people can't buy a home right now 
There's, there's not enough homes to be built, and they're all geared towards uh, you know a, a certain class of people. But the average person get the average person who, who is living real close to the poverty line at this point, you know, isn't going to go out and buy a home that's you know a young couple isn't going to go out and buy a home that's going to be their you know their nest egg so to speak. And and even if, even if they can buy the home, there's no guarantee that that the the economy is going to be there for them when it's time to to cash that in. So there's there's already a significant degradation in quality of life and you, you look you see it you see it in the mental health you see it in the substance abuse you see it in in so many um so many of the symptoms of a declining um society we're seeing it and that's these aren't triggered by the big events now we're going to see a little bit what happens because of covid-19 we haven't even begun to experience the the real effects of this that's still yet to come over the next six months. I mean, a bunch of money got sent out. Free money got sent out. So-called free money. Stimulus checks. Unemployment uh, was, was broadened so more people could, could, collect, could qualify for unemployment benefits. Then they threw another $600 a week on top of that. And I'm not going to buy into this whole thing that the average, that most people are making more money or that there's a large segment of the population that's making more money on unemployment than when they're working. There are some. Obviously, if you say the average necessity or the average shortcoming of unemployment is $600 and you give $600, there's, there's people who are, who are, who are going to benefit from that in ways, you know, uh, they are going to make more money on unemployment. But there's a reason not to go to work. And it's not just because you're making more money staying home. It's still unsafe out there. So there's going to be, um, this has to be, be anteed up at some point. And the coronavirus isn't going away. You have a real likelihood of a contested election coming up in the United States in November. At the local levels, in, including here, you know, uh, Seneca Nation and other places, there's a lot of tension associated with, um, with governance. And some of the the questionable decisions be, that are being made by elected officials, or you know, even even some of the so-called traditional officials. So there's a lot of potential for things to go wrong. And there's such a dependency. I mean, look, one of the biggest problems here in Seneca Nation is is the fact that many Senecas have grown dependent on the annuity checks. And look, they absolutely have a right to get them. I'm not debating that but when the casinos close down and all of a sudden that's not going to necessarily be there how many people are prepared for that and that's small by comparison that's not your atm shutting down that's not the power going off that's you know that's you know uh, what eight hundred dollars or a month or something like that i don't know what it is but i'm not i'm not seneca so i don't know but no this is there, there's a real risk that things can go badly. And we're all going to be affected by it. The ones who are going to be least affected by it, and look, there are plenty of you know, books that are written. There are plenty of experts that talk about who survives um, a catastrophe. And it's the people who are closest to, closest to the land. And it would be nice to say that we are those people. Eh, not so much. Look, we barely walk. We've got ATVs and side-by-sides and four-wheel drive trucks to get us every place. We have to get closer. We, we better be prepared for what may lie ahead. And you know what? If we are, if we are prepared and the, and the bottom never drops out, we're no worse for wear. In fact, there's, again, there's a benefit to knowing these survival skills, even if they aren't totally necessary and need to be implemented for our actual survival. They they are they can actually be recreational. So there's a reason to learn this stuff. There's a reason to know how to survive, even in a situation where those survival skills aren't a hundred percent necessary. But I'm telling you, they are going to become somewhat necessary. Maybe it's only going to be partially. We're already seeing it. Look, part of the reason for gardening right now is the fact that. Most people have trouble making their ends meet. 
So if you're if you're only gardening to stretch your dollars because you're still dependent on the capitalist system, that's a reason for doing it. Same with hunting for food and uh, and and doing so many of these these other things. Finding ways to uh, to entertain yourself and uh, and recreate uh, without you know spending a fortune. This is a way to to reconnect with with creation with nature in a way that is wholesome it's healthy it's better for your mind these there's a lot of reasons for doing this stuff that aren't necessarily tied to the bottom uh, to the collapse of the economy or the, or the collapse of you know the united states infrastructure and we do have the benefit we have benefits that our ancestors didn't have but but let me talk about this in the during the great depression native people were were probably affected least of all the, of the the population in the united states native people uh were in the best shape because we weren't dependent on the us infrastructure we didn't have monies in the bank and one of the you know the, one of the things that i always hear the old timers talk about this is the only thing they didn't have a readily a ready avail or uh, supply of was was shoes you would think, oh yeah, but didn't we have moccasins? Well, yeah, but I'm I'm saying in terms of um, shoes, everyday shoes, that was one of the things that that everybody was desperate for, right? And and our people included. But even that's something that we should know how to do. I look into survival skills. I didn't talk about how to make clothing, you know, including you know footwear. That that could be another. Uh, that's another skill. But our people survived the depression, and in fact, we helped many of the communities around us. We had a better food supply. We put we put people to work and paid them with food. That native people did that. Now I'm not saying that it was in all circumstances, but there were, there were native people who never looked looked like they were affluent. They never lived in in a in a pompous lifestyle. But when the bottom dropped out, they still had things going on. They still had food. They still had shelter. They still had warmth. They were they were dry, warm. And fed, and we had enough to help others become dry, warm, and fed. So, this is you know this has happened before, and it, and it will happen again. But I tell you, we are so vulnerable now because we've bought into the entire system of capitalism. We we're we're consumers. In fact, we may be more desperate consumers than uh, than white people are, maybe, and. The test is going to be when this stuff falls away. And I don't want to say, well, let's just keep doing what we're doing and we'll see, we'll see how the chips fall. No, I'm saying let's not do that. Let's invest a little bit. Let's invest in our kids. You know, one of the, you know <laughs> there is so much that we should be doing in terms of preparing ourselves for what may, what may not happen, but could happen. Look, there, there are hostilities that people have. I mean, I look around our, our, our community. There are people. If you're hanging a Trump flag outside your home, there's a reason you're doing it. And part of it is intimidation. Because whatever feeling you have yourself, the fact that you broadcast that is because you, you're, you're sending a message to the people around you. And I'm doing the same thing. My message, I'm, I'm sending a message out. But if you're hanging up a Make America Great sign outside, out in front of your house, if you've got uh, a flag with Trump carrying a, an automatic weapon with that flag flying out in front of you, if you've got a, a Confederate flag or the blue lives, you know, the, the blue line flag, the black American flag with the blue line in the middle, that's you trying to align yourself with tyranny because of your own fears for one thing. But it's also trying to intimidate the rest of us who are saying, no, we don't like the way the system is going. We don't like where it's going. So, and we're surrounded by people like that. And when, when things go bad, when things, when the, if the bottom drops out, those people are going to be looking at all the people they hate. And if they didn't, if they didn't hate him before, they might hate him now. I watched uh, you know, a video today of, of, a, of a guy who was a delivery guy. I don't remember what, what what he delivered, but 
white guy, just average looking white guy, he, he wore a Black Lives Matter hat. And what he experienced was something that most white people never had to experience. He experienced racism. Yeah, a white guy. Now, he could just take the hat off and, 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 when, and well, boy, that's over. But if you, were, if you got color to your skin, if you're obviously a people that, is, that are not white in the, in the, in the whitest uh, terms possible, so if you support people fighting oppression, you're going to find out how many enemies there are out there. And I know that that if I wear you know my my Trump Arians shirt out there, I know people are looking at me funny. That's why I wear it. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I was in a uh, in a store the other day and and saw a woman you know who was all decked out in all this Trump clothing. Now that's somebody who just wants to have a conversation, <laughs> um, or she's trying to find out how many people agree with her. Look. New York State is surrounds our territories here. New York State's never going to vote for. Uh, 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 well, I, I never say never. I guess New York State is a blue state. It's not going to you know go for Trump in the in the election, but there is a real possibility that this election could be contested. I mean, Trump won the last election uh, via the electoral college, but lo- but lost by over two million votes. That could happen again, or. He, as the president of the United States, with his with the power of incumbency, he could do all kinds of things to screw this election up. Not to mention, you know, the the friends he's got in Russia and other places that may uh, may help him as well. I mean, I, you know, again, I know it sounds like I'm spinning a conspiracy theory, but whatever. I'm not going to vote in those elections, but I'm impacted by it. We are all impacted by it. If if social unrest you know goes up to defcon 5 and you have the right and the left fighting each other you have the white and the black fighting each other you know that we're going to be dragged into this thing it, you know and we are part of that we are people of color so we are on a side i don't care if you're, if you're native and you like trump it doesn't matter if you like trump you're not white so this could get real bad this could get bad, um, you know, especially if you live in cities and that kind of stuff. But eventually that could spill out into our territories. And the bottom could drop out. You know, you know I talked about climate change. I talked about all, all this other stuff. But there's a lot of things just entering hurricane season. I think a hurricane is just starting to pound on Florida today or tonight or tomorrow. Hawaii just, uh, you know, got dusted by, uh, by one. Uh, Puerto Rico has already gotten, you know, um, slammed by the one that's heading towards Florida. So there's a lot of potential threats against quality of life. And because people have gotten so desperate and because they don't have the survival skills, and by not having the survival skills, it's really, really hard to be compassionate if you don't have basic survival skills. If you have nothing to offer you know your your fellow mankind or womankind whatever if you have nothing to offer your neighbors they can start looking at you cross you know cross-eyed and i'm not saying that we all have to have a you know you know a, a shareable nest egg but knowledge is power so if you know how to survive and you could share that wisdom with people n- nobody's going to try to steal your wisdom they're just going to want to be a beneficiary of it so, but this is the look I'm not saying the bottom's going to fall out in November with the U.S. election. It could. And I'm not saying that, that COVID-19 is going to be the straw that breaks the proverbial cab- uh, camel's back. But it could. I'm saying all of these, these things added up. Look, if you think the, the U.S. election is going to be a breeze and you know, whoever you think is going to win, Biden, you think the problem's over? You think you can vote this, this problem away? I say the same thing. I say, look, you're not going to pray it away and you're not going to vote it away. What you can do is prepare. So, again, survival skills are, are an important part of this. Hey, I want, I want to tell, tell you now before I forget at the end of the show. If you've missed a portion of this show or if you want to catch it again, 
Um, the show is a, is a podcast. It does go out as a podcast. And you can just search Let's Talk Native with John Kane podcast, and it'll show up on any of your favorite podcast platforms. This show is number 449, and I think it's an important show. So if you missed a portion of it, I mean, if you're catching the tail end of it, you're just, wait a minute, what are the survival skills you're talking about? Well, that was in the first half hour. So if you've missed a portion of the show, by all means, look it up in the podcast, or you can look it up on our YouTube video. It'll be posted uh, by, by tomorrow night. It'll, be definitely, it'll definitely be posted. And um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. While we still have YouTube, while we still have podcasts, do what you can to, um, to strengthen your knowledge base. And maybe change your behavior enough to say you know what maybe it is time to to teach some of these skills and you know and we all have something to contribute to that we all have something i don't care if it's it might be my chili recipe but (laughs) we all have something to contribute some of us uh, still know how to hunt some of us still know how to you know process a deer some of us know how to do certain things very few of us know how to do it all and that's why we should bring as much of that knowledge together and you know what in a, if we do form the, the, the close-knit communities we, needed, we need to form, everybody doesn't know how to do it all. We can look at who has the skill set. You know, in, traditionally, that's what part of our culture involved. It involved recognizing it within your community who had what talents and to encourage those talents for the benefit of all. We didn't just encourage somebody to, you know, to, to sing to get rich. We, we encouraged somebody to, to sing or dance so we all benefited from, the, from that skill set. We didn't just um, recognize somebody who, had, who great, had great speaking skills so they could go off and make a million dollars as a speaker. No, we wanted them to speak for us. We wanted them to carry our voices. We wanted them to, to share what, what they learned and, and, uh, and be storytellers or, or whatever. So within a community as we start to do you know this is part of that survival training we recognize who has what skill set there's no sense in giving a rifle to somebody to go hunt deer if they can't hit the broadside of a barn so that person may have a whole other skill set maybe able to cook that deer up in a way that the rest of us can't so these are the things that we need to, we need to think about we need to really think about how we prepare uh for for hopefully a time that's never nece- completely necessary but these survival skills will i guarantee they will raise the quality of our lives whether we are completely 100 percent dependent on them or not they they all they stand to to raise the quality of our lives so again our youtube channel which is let's talk native tv you can catch this show or any of our shows including our latest short form video the five policies uh which i encourage you to watch and share this is john kane this is let's talk native thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you back here on tuesday you know